We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. So Father, we come here this morning and our eyes are open, our ears are ready to hear what you have to say. And we sing, and we even trust you that sometimes our hearts will catch up to what we're saying. And so for me, just singing with every knee we bow before you and we hail you. Just pause and ask us that we would follow that, that our, our hearts would bow before you. Whatever we're holding on to, we would surrender to you. And that we would be ready to obey whatever you tell us in the next moment. We acknowledge that when the saints of God come together, we sing to you when we sing the Bible, when we open up the scriptures and read the Bible, when we hear proclaim that something special happens, and we're ready to follow where it's in this name we in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe soon. Good songs to sing at the church, aren't they? Well, good morning, my name is Mike Newman, and if you are visiting with us from just a town away, or just a state away or so, then we welcome you to the gathering. And we're excited to have you. Excited to have you. Um, this is the time traditionally in the service. It's called the sermon if you're new to Christianity, um, or if you're new to church or whatever. It's the time when, when someone stands behind the pulpit and opens up the Bible and with a little bit of shaking knees and a trembling heart declares what God has said and what the Holy Spirit has written through his word. Um, and just to share with you what it's not, it's not a time for me just to vent or to share even what's on my heart. But to tell you what God thinks. And, and so I approach this time and, and, and want to invite you in that this is a very sacred time that we enter into. And we're excited to have, uh, have these moments. And we'll never get them again. And so ask the Lord to work through His Word this morning and be alert. And uh, that being said, just one practical um, thing would be. And we bought we bought ten of these to just catch the church's appetite. We started Romans, and this is a him and her version of a, a, a ESV scripture journal. And um, what they are is just the, the Bible on one side and the chance for you to write or to take notes on the other. Five bucks on the book cart, 
And uh, you can actually even text to give. How fancy is that? Don't remember the number, but you can do it. And um, you know, there's cash down in there. Won't even be offended if you get up and walk out and grab on Faith is going. She's going. She's going. She's out of here. She's going to come on her. So, but we started Romans two weeks ago. And um, we talked about it um, initially about a, um, how the Bible has a story to tell us. It's almost like a song or, or a melody, a unique message um, that, that is just waiting to be heard. Kids, remember we, we talked about it in kind of a fun way where we introduced a song to you. Remember our song? I remember what that was from. It was from Star Wars, right? And immediately the mind goes to certain characters in Star Wars. It goes to scenes, and that's that's the power of, of theme, right? The power of motif, where you can lace together a whole story just by a few notes. And we said that that the Bible does that too. That it's one song and it's, and it's sending the message. And we, we said that the message is this overall declaration that is up for you here that God is redeeming his people. Remember, if you're on like an airplane or if you're at a coffee shop, you read your Bible, hey, what's that about? And instead of just saying, what's about Jesus? The song would be a little bit more robust. It would have a little bit more notes to say that God is redeeming his people and establishing a kingdom through Jesus for his glory and their joy. You remember that? That God's redeeming his people. All in the Old Testament, what he's doing is he's establishing a kingdom. And he's doing it very specifically through a narrow, through Jesus. And it's for the, the glory of God and it's for your joy. That's the big symphony that we saw throughout. And, um, and and we said, well, what does each unique book do then? Like if the Bible is 66 books, and it's written by over 40 authors over a span of 1,500 years, what does the book of Romans do? What's that note? How does it contribute to that overarching message? And we're saying that the theme of Romans, those notes, are the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. You would then turn to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Chapter 1, and the theme verse that really begins this motif or this melodic line through this book. Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. I'll read it for us. If you want to memorize a verse this week, this would be a great one. And kids, if you come back tonight, we're going to be going through our bookmark and bring this. Two tonight, we're going to start memorizing the first verse um, on it, it's Romans 3.10, but then bring it home, put it right on your breakfast table, and then memorize it with your parents after the breakfast before you go to school, okay? So that's the plan, that's the strategy. But the theme of Romans, 116, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. 
as it, as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We are the righteousness of God. It's the state that musical criminality. What we're seeing in this book is that Paul gets on his electric guitar and he starts shredding, he starts riffing this motif, and it's all about the righteousness of God. Just to be honest, this is Mr. Pastor Man speaking here. I don't have the expectation that you will remember every single point from every single sermon from the Book of Romans. It's going to be over 12 months that we're spending in this book. But kind of like a steady diet. Does anyone remember what they had for dinner last Wednesday night? Me neither, right? But over a course of, of, of good decisions, as you eat meal after meal, you might not remember every meal, but good meals over a, a period of time bring good health. And so when you come together as a church and you are fed meals from the Book of Romans, my prayer, our prayer as elders, our prayer together as a church is that you would receive you would be healthy spiritually after feasting the body of Romans. Amen? So that's where we're at. So, Romans 1 today, 1 through 7. And in honor of God's word and in tradition with the Old Testament, as Ezra read the scripture, we're going to ask, would you stand one more time for the reading of God's word this morning? And I'll be patient. I'll wait for you to go ahead and open on up to your Bible. We're in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. This is the word of the Lord. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who is descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Today's message, the title is The Man, The Message, and The Mission. And as I was studying this with a few men and running these ideas by one friend said, it sounds like, like a Batman type person. We should say that in a low, growly voice. And I will, I'll say it for that. that. That's the title of the message. And the, the timeless truth, um, what the, the verses 1 through 7 are projecting and, and exalting God and sending on over to the hearers is this, right? That God's message is sent, forgive me, God's messenger is sent with a validated message on a mission to validate and vindicate. Okay, so here we go. 
What do you mean when it says vindicate? Okay? Sounds kind of weird. No one uses that language anymore. Sounds a little old fashioned. So it's provided um, a definition and synonyms for the word vindicate. Um, the definition of vindicate is that you would prove that someone or something is right, reasonable, or justified. Okay, and that's, that's an important term in the book of Romans, and we're going to talk about that in weeks to come. Synonyms for vindicate are acquit or clear, absolve, free from blame, declare innocent, which is a big one, liberate, free, deliver, or redeem. Those are all very Christian ideas, thoughts, definitions. So here we go. That's the, the message that we're saying. That God's messenger is sent with a message. It's a validated message, and they are sent on a mission to communicate. Let's go ahead and start with point number one. Here we go. The main verses one. Uh, so before the musical Hamilton came out, which I'm a big fan. Um, a whole bunch of musical and opera junkies got together, and they they studied all the, the musicals and operas at, with regards to introductory songs, okay? And with the introductory song, obviously the objective would be, how can we introduce the storyline, the characters, the basic setting, um, introduce the conflict in such a way that would be most effective in a quick way that would be memorable to the listeners, okay? The audience for a musical and an opera, whatever. And so they got together, they studied it, and they came up with um, one musical that was like, this is the best introductory song that will close this function. You guys know what it is? Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> not cats. Not cats. Not cats. Right? I mean, like, think back, okay? Like, the narrator with, with a solid, crooning, baritone voice is the introduction. You know, and you get that, that last question after, after the stained glass images. Well, who could ever learn to love a beast, right? And then, then you have got like that little flute on the French countryside, and Belle walks out in the blue dress. She's carrying the bread basket with no bread in it yet, and then she's got a little bit of like a, a book in her other arm, and she goes out. And the townspeople are singing. They're talking about her. You go catching what Belle's like. And then in comes Gaston, right? And you get you catch this character glimpse, and then you meet LeFou, and it's like, oh, this is such a great story. And you learn you get a little foreshadowing of the tension or the, the you know, what would be the rising conflict and plot line. And then you just like tie a bow on it, and it's like, what a great way to spend Friday. Well, Paul doesn't exactly start out like a fairy tale in Romans 1. A little different. Let's go ahead and look what Paul does. Here we go. He first says, I am a servant. You see that in Romans 1? No bows, no bread baskets, no fairy tales. Paul actually 
uses no political correctness or cultural sensitivity because when he says servant, the literal meaning is I'm a slave. He comes out, and this brother right away tells his readers that he is shackled to a master. And that master is Jesus Christ. Now, if you're listening, um, and, and, and perhaps uh, this Sunday morning was a little bit chaotic for you, you know, you didn't get your coffee or you didn't get enough coffee, and maybe your mind is, is uh, catching up to what I'm saying so far. Perhaps you're like, whoa, 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 hold up, Newman. What about all that vindicate stuff that you were just saying, like freedom and redemption? And, and you're, now there's like slave talk and shackled and there's, there's contradictory terms being used. Where are you headed with that? And friends, welcome to Christianity. This is the gathering. You're in church now. It's a little bit different from the world. There's new terms. There's new ideas. And when it comes to following Jesus, will you a shackle to Christ. Christianity doesn't, doesn't talk about being freedom, being free as you were once free and now you're a free, or you were once a slave and now you're a free agent. Belonging to and existing and, and having no authority. Christianity is described like this. I was once a slave to sin and now I've been transferred and I'm a slave to God. I was shackled here, bound, reigned, had dominion over, we'll see those terms in chapter 4 and 5, and now my shackles have transferred, and I belong to Jesus. Right away, Paul begins this book, and our hearts even now begin to melt. Just those first few words from this book begin to jump, begin to jump off the page and like get into our hearts like, oh, I'm gaining from this book immediately this dominating attitude that Paul says, my life is not my own. I belong to someone else. And everything that I'm about to say, it's of him, for him, my life. Can you imagine if you viewed your life like that? If all areas of your life, you stopped vying for control here, 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 and just said, Lord, my life is yours. You're in control. Can you imagine if, if us as a church, we gathered every Sunday, and then we opened up our schedules for the week to come and said, Lord, my life is not my own. My calendar is yours. Would you use me this week? Can you imagine? Oh. And that's what, what we're seeing right now. But that's not it. He also says that he sent. Look at those next like, phrases with me in verse 1. Let's get to know Paul a little bit. 
this man who is sent. So before Paul was Paul, his name was Saul. And Saul hated Christians, okay? And he spent the majority of his time hating Christians, persecuting them, and trying to kill them. And we, we catch a glimpse of Paul's stone heart in the book of Acts, chapter 9. I do not have to go there anymore. Um, but he, uh, he, he was a part of the stoning of Stephen. He packs his bags uh, with the heart's intention to go persecute and kill more questions, uh, more questions, more Christians. And so uh, on the way to Damascus, he's on the road and suddenly Jesus shows up. In all of his glory, his holiness, his purity, his brightness, shows up to Paul, and Paul is blinded. And Jesus speaks to Saul directly and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Does anyone know what he says? Why are you persecuting me? That's right. Me. That's so intimately tied to the church. Why are you persecuting me? Paul, because of the glory of Jesus, is blinded. It describes him like scales over his eyes, and he is led by other men uh, to a man named Ananias' house. And Ananias, in chapter 9, verse 13, like prays to God and says, basically, Lord, what in the world are you doing? Are you kidding me? This guy is killing Christians, and you're asking me to like roll out the red carpet? You're saying maybe I should offer him a sleeping bag and make him a fire and have some wars and stuff, but like right now with this? And let me read to you what God says to Ananias. But especially have a mind for how God has this plan for the conversion of Saul to Paul. Not just so that Paul one day would feel better about eternity. Not just so that he would go to heaven, which is a wonderful benefit of coming to Christ. But he has a very specific plan to send Paul, and this is true and consistent for all Christians, for all who come to faith in Christ. Let me read it for you. Acts 9, verse 15. Ready? But the Lord said to him, that's Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings, and the children of Israel. Isn't that beautiful? So friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, let me just speak to you for a second. You, if you have faith in God, you've repented of your sin, placed your faith and trust in Him, then you are a chosen instrument. Where God has a special plan for you. Today, this week to send you into his mission. It's beautiful. To send you to your family, to send you to your church, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your workplace, to your classrooms, wherever God has given you influence, concentric circles, whatever, that you are his chosen instrument. He loves, he delights in. He loves the process. And guess what? That's not it. Paul also introduces himself that he's set apart. Okay? 
You see that last phrase with me? Those three phrases where it says, and he's, he, he says, but you on uh, my next slide, sorry. And he's a servant and he's called to be an apostle and then he's set apart for the gospel of God. Those three things that Paul introduces himself with, those are for all of us. God has a special message and plan let's see let's 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 see about this message let's learn about it more point number two the message okay so if you're new with us and if you're like wondering what christianity is about okay you're about to get a full dose of goodness here this is about the gospel of jesus okay um kids for a second um, have you ever played with those plastic monkey toys Maybe, I bet your mom and dad know what I'm talking about. There's those plastic monkeys where one arm is shaped like this, and one arm is shaped like this, and you can hang them on each other. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so there's, in, in the next moments, there's going to be four monkeys that hang on each other, okay? There are four phrases, and so be looking for them. The first phrase, the monkey, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> the first phrase, the first monkey, ready, is which he promised beforehand. So we're talking about the gospel, and now he's he's gonna he's gonna define what the gospel is, this robust message, okay? And each of these phrases hang on each other, okay? So it says which he promised beforehand, which is why we can say with confidence that the gospel messenger is sent with a validated message because this is this message is promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures so way back when a long time ago like the first chapters of our bible we read of adam we read of god creating adam god creating eve they're in the garden hey adam and eve don't touch this tree. Everything else is cool. Adam and Eve get this grand idea from the serpent. The serpent says, oh, come on, eat this. They eat it. Sin enters the world, right? The bad news. And forever, um, we, 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 we know that when Adam and Eve fell, so too all of mankind fell. And all mankind, for the rest of history, was totally depraved. But in chapter 3, verse 15, uh, theologians call it the proto-evangelion. Fancy word for proto, first. Evangelion, good news. Evangelism, announcement. The first announcement of good news. We hear that God has a plan. Even though sin entered the world, God has a sovereign plan to save mankind by sending someone to redeem. He's going to crush evil. It's going to crush the serpent's head, and it's going to hurt. The heel is going to be bruised. It's the first announcement of what's going to happen. This announcement is what Paul is talking about. It was promised beforehand that Christ is going to come. And this gospel message is not made up. Paul isn't just trying to be smart and quote them, uh, some nice like historical facts. He is basing the truth on something that is long ago and foreordained and promised. He says through this, his prophets, 
in, in the Holy Scriptures. Holy Scriptures, we're going to see this theme in Romans that, that he is set apart, Paul. We, as Christians, are set apart holy. And then he says that these Scriptures are set apart, that they too are, are holy. As I said before, these Scriptures are unique. It's not just a nice book of thoughts or pithy sayings. But it really is come together, laced together, breathed out by the Holy Spirit, 66 books, by 40 different writers, written through a span of 1,500 years, saying one unifying message. Amen. Well, what does it say? Kids, here's the next quest. Here's the next monkey. Ready? Concerning his son. So it's the gospel, it's, it's the, something that is promised beforehand, but now it is concerning his son. There is a specific message about this gospel. All right, church history moment, okay? Perk up. Don't, don't lose me on this one. Some of you are like, not the history buffs up. Oh, man, I can just take you to I get it. We've got to grow in this area. All right. So church history, okay? When it says concerning his son, there was a guy named Arius a long time ago who approached the scriptures and said, Ah, son, well, come on, guys, let's be honest with each other. Like, son means son, right? Like, I've got a son. When I say son, I'm really talking about, like, this person that came from me, but my son has a birthday. Son in the scriptures means the same thing as I use son here. Son Jesus, son my son, both of them have a name. I mean, what else could be gotten me? Says Jesus. Which, if you follow that line of thinking, it leads to Jesus not being eternal. And it flies against the face and character of Jesus with regards to his nature, his relatability, how you relate to him as God. It, it lowers his power and it really makes him equal to, to angels. Or it's saying that Jesus was unique. He was, he was more like a superior creature or some kind of, of glorified human agent. And so what happened a long time ago was that, that a bunch of men heard Arius speaking and they filled with their heads and they're like, it sounds reasonable. That's not true. We've got to, we've got to bring clarity to what the sun means. And so they came together in a town called Nicaea. Okay? And they wrote out what is now known as the Nicaean Creed. Okay, I'm going to read it for you, but be listening to especially how they're trying to bring clarity to what son means in Scripture. Ready? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of all things visible and invisible. You should be going, hey, yeah, that's cool. We're all on the same page so far. I think even Arius would agree with that. And then one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it's like, come on, guys, get specific here. Watch them, ready? 
begotten of the Father, the only begotten, that is, of the essence of the Father, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, and this is the key one, being of one substance with the Father. What they're saying is when it says Son, it's saying that God sent God. Amen? Amen. Let me just encourage you to say, great job, church history. Well done, all of you are <laughs> okay. I, I could take a little more notes of that. Okay, well, I'll include it then. Some certain things. Okay. Let your eyes kind of scroll down verses two through four. Okay? It says that, that our God, the Son, light from light, God from very God, that he was promised beforehand, and that he was in the kingly line of David. He was born of the flesh, so he was man. And then he was declared to be God's son by the Father. Remember, this is my son in whom I'm all pleased. So right there, we've got this representation of man and God, who is the God-man, Jesus. This is the message that we're saying. So that when we say Jesus was God's son, we're saying that this is a validated message. There's more reasons we can say God's messenger is sent with a validated message. Okay? So, so far we've gotten two monkeys. Kids, here's two more, and they're coming quickly, so buckle up. This valid, this message is validated. If it is, if it's validated, during those times, it's got to be confirmed by some witnesses, okay? It's got to have two witnesses, and if this man, who was God, who was born of a woman on earth, if that really happened, then this man must distinguish himself from all of me. How is he going to do that? Well, this man must be dead. Okay? So in the next two phrases, we've got to, it's got to be validated that he's he's got to be not just man, but God, and he's got to be dead. Watch for Paul and Bruce to give a summation of the gospel. Here we go. According to the spirit of holiness. Aha! There's your other witness. And by the resurrection. Your God is in he's still in the grave. Joseph Smith is still in the grave. Muhammad is in the grave. But Jesus validated and vindicated by his resurrection. Amen. Just on a personal and evangelistic note, we should glean from this that if you are to share the gospel, you can't just be like being nice to someone. But our gospel has words, and we must share the news of Jesus Christ in its, in its fullness. We must talk about. Right? So we serve people with our hands, but our hope and prayer, because 
faith comes through hearing, hearing by the word, we've got to be equipped with this. This letter written to the Church of Rome and to us right now is a treatise on the gospel. It's a missionary letter. And so after a year and some change, wouldn't it be great for us to be ready and equipped to be missionaries with this message? So we're going. Last point. The mission. No more monkeys. Okay? Here we go. Um, look up for a second. If I say, if I say it like this, the message of the gospel, okay? the message of the gospel, how does that fall on your ears, the ears of 2020? Perhaps that oversaturated with news and information? Right? Like the message or news about, and then you fill in the blanks, right? Like the message about the two boys that were in Miami supporting the troops. Or the message about the fires in Oregon. Or the message about the Big Ten playing ball again. And then we say, and the message of the gospel, the news of the gospel. Are you a little uh, message fatigued these days? You get fatigue in all those messages where you're just a little bit out. The cool thing about this message is that it won't let you get fatigued. It has life on it. It isn't just ink on a page. It's living and active and it jumps off the page and it stirs your heart towards love for him and love for so it's almost like it seems you. If you can see it from verse 5, the power of the resurrection grants the believer grace and sends him on a mission to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. Look at verse 6, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Not a rotary club, 
It's not a place where you just like pay your dues, like hey, let's just make sure you're given and we'll just get you on a list or something. This is a commitment, people to people, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name, so that the gospel may go out to the nations. Another way to say it, just to continue to bring um, understanding of church membership, would be using the first Corinthians language. Right? Of a body and members, right? So if Jesus is the head of the church, then church membership is identifying those who have professed with their mouth and believed in their heart that Jesus is Lord. When they do that, they are saved, they are born again, and they become members of the universal or invisible church. And then the local church's job is to say, Ha ha, I see it, you're a hand, you're unified to the head. Let's identify the hand, the foot, the knee, the arm, the elbow, and say, hey, this is the hand. Church, this will be the hand. Serve your hand. This hand will serve you. Care for the hand. Care for the knee. Unite with them. Partner with them so that the body can run fast and save the head. The glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're doing. So you're going to be.